Wonderful. You may be seated. Let's bring our angel series to a conclusion. How about that? I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. It's certainly something that's not the norm type of series you would, you would have in, a, uh, in your church experience. Uh, last week when I, I brought the sermon to a conclusion, we were talking about these thoughts that pop into your mind and, and how, how Satan and the fallen angels can, uh, can affect thought. I want you to go back to the picture I showed you. Remember the little caricature of the angel on one shoulder and the, the devil sitting on the other shoulder. And that's something you uh, see in cartoons. And, and it's illustrative, though, of the concept the Bible is sharing with us that there are two opposing forces uh, vying for your attention. That's fair. There's two opposing uh, powers, armies, however you want to say that, hosts, which is what the word for army in the Bible. Uh, there's two different opposing forces trying to battle for control of this universe. And much of that battle is a battle for your mind. It's a battle for your thoughts. As you think, so you become. Your actions come out of your, your thoughts. So let, let's begin right there where we left off last week. Remember, the Bible is teaching us that Satan's primary weapon is a lie. The lie is his primary tool. He uses discouragement. Many of his uh, tools are mentioned in the Bible. Uh, the Apostle Paul said we're not ignorant of his devices, his attacks, the way he attacks our life. And the lie is one of those. It's what originated in Eden when he began to... Uh, say to Adam and Eve, let's start questioning what God said. It's what Satan did in the temptation with Christ, uh, twisting Scripture, if you would, misquoting it or misapplying it, and, and saying even to Jesus himself, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you the kingdoms of this world because I hold the deed to them now that Adam abdicated his responsibility, and I'll give you the kingdoms of this earth, Jesus, with no cross. Doesn't that sound like a better plan than the cross? I mean, I can give them to you with no suffering involved. Well, Jesus is the king and he's going to get the kingdoms, but not that way. Because you shall have no other gods before me, Jesus began to quote about God. So he misapplies scripture. So knowing this, Satan's primary weapon is a lie. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter number 8. There's this group of people who are opposing the ministry of Christ. Listen to what he says. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he just speaks out of his own character. It just comes naturally. Gosh, this is... A bit of a segue here, but I didn't have to teach my kids how to lie. My parents didn't teach me how to lie. You know what? It just, I'm ashamed to say to you, it just came naturally and so easily. And gosh, you could string four or five or a hundred of those together, you know, before sometimes it even catches up with you and you can't remember what lie you told who. Lying just comes easy to fallen sinners because it comes out of our nature. What he's saying about Satan is that is his nature. And when he lies, he's just speaking out of his character. Watch these words of Christ. For he is a, say the word for me, and the father 
He's the grandfather. He's the big daddy of all lies. Now, I just told you a few weeks ago, when you're feeling like you're being oppressed from the spiritual world, or you feel like you're under some kind of, you know, evil attack, whatever, don't be afraid to get alone somewhere and talk out loud. And say to Satan or to whoever's on his side, you're a liar because what Scripture says. And these thoughts that you're giving me are not truthful thoughts. They're not healthy thoughts. I reject them. And you can bombard me with them, but listen, I'm going to reject them as long as you bombard me with them, so you might as well go away. Now, remember the Scripture says, resist him, and he will flee from you. So this is kind of the the biblical uh, uh, way in which to countermand those attacks. that uh, Put up a shield, put up a defense, and say, I reject that consciously, and I reject you, and I reject lies that speak against the character of God and the character of Jesus Christ. His primary weapon is a lie. Therefore, the Christian's primary defense would be the truth. It's just that simple. Just the truth. And let me frame it in a different way for you. When you're having an interaction with the spirit world, think about it this way. Dealing with fallen angels may not always be this power encounter this power struggle but dealing with evil powers will always be a truth encounter it may not always be like this overwhelming you know i saw visions i felt this i felt it may not be like that but it will always have to do with the truth the truth will always and the lie will always be a part of that struggle and when you expose satan's lie with god's truth then Satan's power is broken over you. (laughs) You just put the truth on the lie, and the lie can't stand in the light of the truth. The truth and the light push the darkness out and destroy the myth of the lie. That's why Jesus taught, well, this is one of the most quoted verses. Like I told you, I heard this on the floor of the Senate just, just last week, you know. But they never quote the verse before. I'll give you both verses together. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, because see, this is the source of truth. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now, we're very big into discipleship here at Cornerstone. And I just want to say one of the reasons we encourage you to get in discipleship, it's a place where people are going to open a Bible And we're going to discuss truths out of the Word of God. We're going to learn Scripture. We're going to memorize Bible. Because there is no spiritual growth. There is no life transformation. There is no victory in this life unless we get engaged with the Word of God at some level. And there's a lot of ways to do it. There's a lot of ways to do it. But you just have listen, through the radio, in the small group, in the church service, in your daily devotion, there's a lot of mechanisms Uh, through different apps that we have where you can engage the Word of God, through podcasts. The big point is not which you choose. Just choose something and get engaged with the Word of God. And then Jesus said, if you stay in the Word, you're really my disciples. Then comes the famous verse, 32, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. (laughs) Now, To say to somebody, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, that's great. It's a great saying. But when you anchor it to the previous verse, you understand the truth is the word of God. You'll know the teachings of Christ and those teachings will truly set you free. So 
let me, let me reinforce in the, in the introduction this morning. Evil spirits have no power to override your free will. They cannot impose their will upon you, child of God. Instead, they're going to try to make you think you're evil. Instead, they're going to beat you up by just sowing thoughts and doubts and, and half-truths and mistruths. And you're, you're going to think, unless somebody tells you otherwise, wow, all these crazy thoughts pop in my head. I'm some kind of really broken version of a Christian, I guess. Or am I even a Christian at all? And all these doubts come because of these things that pop into, into our mind. And these evil forces will try to make you think that's all you. Oh, you're evil, you're broken, you're wicked, you're not God's child, he doesn't love you. It'll just bombard you with that stuff. But I'm here to tell you this morning, those thoughts are not your own. Reject them. Say to your own conscious mind, I reject those thoughts. Listen, well, that just popped, whether I sourced that, or whether that came from an outside source, I reject it. It's not true, and I acknowledge it's not true. Listen, you're going to be a lot healthier. You know, and there's, there's a lot, I, I would I'd like to say a whole lot about this, but we're, we'll probably have a module or something about this very soon. There's a huge connection to mental health and spiritual health. A, a huge connection. And, and so when, when Satan tries to really mess with your head, kind of the modern way we would say that, reject that. And you just say, I, I, that's not me, that's not who I want to be, that doesn't align with the truth, the word of God. God, these, these, these thoughts are coming fr- from in my mind, from whatever source they're coming from, God help me to be able to have control over those thoughts. I reject any thought. Remember what we said last, pulling down anything that exalts itself against the truth of God. You begin to get mentally healthy. You begin to get spiritually healthy. So, by way of introduction, let me close it up. A growing knowledge of the Bible and an ability to recognize that familiar voice of the Holy Spirit speaking in your heart, will provide you with a strong mental defense against the evil forces in this universe. Now, we've talked a lot about, in five weeks, what angels can do. Let's just talk for a brief moment this morning, what angels cannot do. (laughs) Is there anything an angel can't do? Now, theological circles are famous for debating nonsensical questions. How many angels? Oh, see, even you know it. Can, even you know it. Never read a theological book in your life, and you know it. How many angels can stand on the head of a pen? Yeah. You know, it's right in that family with, can God make a rock so big he can't pick it up? It's just, they're nonsense questions, uh, but they're asked a lot. Is, and people would ask, is there something an angel can't do? Well, let's talk about this big elephant in the room. The holy angels have no reason for redemption because they're holy. Stay with me a second. The holy angels have no need of redemption. They're holy. All right, so let's... There's other kinds of angels out there, though. The fallen angels, as far as we know, have no possibility of redemption because they were once holy, but, as the Bible uses this language, forsook their first estate. They rebelled against God willingly. It's not like they were tempted... You say, well, isn't that just like human beings? Not even close. You see, you've never seen God. You've never seen heaven. We'll talk more about it. You've never seen God. You've never seen the angels. 
You've never seen what's on the other side of the spirit world, if you would. The angels have seen it all. They're in a completely different circumstance than you. In other words, for an angel to stand there in the presence of God, he can't deny there's a God. Does that make sense? Where a human being might say, ah, there's no God, I've never seen him. An angel's in a completely different situation. What's all faith to us is not faith to them. Let me just put it that way. And whereas we believe, let me me put this maybe thought across for you to consider too. Remember what the New Testament teaches. Jesus said, blessed are you, his immediate disciples right there, because you've seen something. You saw the Son of God. You touched the Son of God. You're here as eyewitnesses. Blessed are you because you're right here seeing. But even more blessed are those people who are coming who believe and have never seen. That would be you guys right here. You know, the Bible calls you more blessed, more awesome, because you've never seen Jesus Christ. You've never seen that kind of a miracle. You've never seen the walking on the water, the raising of the dead, the feeding of the 5,000, and yet you believe my faith. You know, heaven rejoices at that type of belief. Now, redemption is something that the angels have never experienced. And from what we know of the Scripture, the angels are very curious. Curious as to what would it feel like to be born again. What would redemption, what would it feel like for God to say, I'm going to adopt you as my children. You're brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. You have a co-inheritance with Christ. You're going to rule and reign with me. The angels have never heard those proclamations about them in that way. When, When the Bible says, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, the angels are like, oh, can we get in on that? Does that make sense? Let me read for you, and I'll reinforce it from the scripture now. Peter wrote these things, 1 Peter 1 verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now it's talking about salvation. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who once prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Verse 12. And it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Watch the last phrase. Things, things is salvation things. Things into which angels long to look. Peter's described, talking to a group of people, he says, let's talk about your salvation. The prophets prophesied about it, and now the Holy Spirit is here indwelling you, and God's brought salvation to you. That's what the angels long to look into. They long to experience this. Now, that word long is a compound word in the Greek, epithumeo, and here's what it means. To set your heart upon, to long for. So the angels yearn in their hearts, they long to look into the things of salvation. To look, these two Greek words here means, one means to stand on your tiptoes and look as if you were at the back of a crowd in a a crowded room. 
You know, you go to some kind of rally or you go to some concert and you got the general admission ticket because that's the only thing that was left at the Kitty Chesney concert. And now you're way back in the back and you're standing on your tiptoes to see over everybody. That's the word that's used here, but it's a compound. It means to stand on your tiptoes and look over everyone or to stoop low and look into. Does that make sense? You're trying to get a glimpse. Going up, going down, looking all around, curious to see. You might be curious to know this little tidbit. It's the exact Greek word that was used for Peter and John when they arrived at the tomb. Do you remember what they did? And John stooped down and looked into the tomb to see whether it was empty or not. They're, they're looking, they're checking. Your modern word would be a checking it out. I'm checking it out. I'm trying to get a glimpse. Now here's what the scripture is indicating to you. The angels are so curious about the gospel and God's saving grace in your life that they are standing on tiptoe and stooping down to marvel at the unfolding story of salvation that's happening in your life. See, you're so curious you want to see the angels. The angels are so curious they want to see what God's doing in your life. The shoe's on the other foot, if you would. You say, man, I wish I was spiritual like that and I wish I was like them. Maybe they're wishing they were like you. A child of God, redeemed, born again, experiencing the love of God. It means they're curiously watching you. Now, now stay with me on this because you have to go back to the previous sermons. Remember how we talked about everybody's got angels assigned to them? Maybe one, maybe more than one. So think about this. These angels have witnessed who you were without Christ. Don't just think, I got an angel when I got saved. No, think about maybe you got an angel when you got born. Because I sure hope that there's, I sure pray that I understand this correctly. And that God is even assigning angels to watch over your unsaved kids right now. And I know you're praying the same thing. And we believe that's the way we're understanding this. They are assigned Hebrews to those who shall be heirs of salvation. So, So think about this. They saw who Bobby Harrell was without Christ. They walked with you even when you didn't know Christ. They've seen essentially the before and the after you. Now do you understand why that might make them curious? What can take somebody to be this way and now they're this way? Wow, this salvation thing has totally flipped their life a whole other way. Look at the transformation. They're not the person they used to be, and they're day by day becoming even more like Christ. This is the most curious thing. Do you understand why they're looking into it? They saw who you were before Christ. They're rejoicing. The Bible says the angels rejoice in heaven when you receive Christ. They're witnessing the transformation that's now happening in our lives as we follow Christ in this thing called discipleship. And again, if I told you, congregation, I have this special door. I have this magical door and if you open this door it leads to the other side (laughs) all of y'all would crowd in at the doorway to get a glimpse of what's on the other side you understand the curiosity we have the bible's actually saying the angels can see into this side and that's exactly what they're doing they are stooping and they are standing and they are curious watching your story of salvation Unfold. You say, why are they so curious? Maybe they are marveling at God's grace and love in your life. Maybe, maybe they are 
mesmerized. Or maybe they're chronicling what you're doing with your internship. I mean, you're here on assignment. God didn't save you so you could go to heaven, get a harp, sit on a cloud. We're going to keep blowing that up in the next few weeks. That is not what the Bible depicts the afterlife like or salvation like. God saved you for an assignment right now. And I hate to say this in this way, don't twist it. Just for a minute, forget about the afterlife. What did he save you to do right now in this life? I think a lot of us, we're missing a whole series of opportunities in front of us because we're saying, well, one day, listen, okay, I get that, but park that for a minute. What about this week? What about now while you're young and strong and healthy? What about now while you can travel and while you can speak and while you're mobile? What about now while you have a blue passport? What about now while you have religious liberty and freedom? What about now while you have freedom of speech? What about now when you have no oppression of religion in this country? What about now? Listen, the angels are curiously watching to see what you're doing with your internship, which will determine what you will be in the kingdom of God. Because of all the created beings in the universe, humans alone, humans only, experience the wonders of God's saving grace. Yeah, there's seraphim, there's cherubim, there's angels, there's archangels. And you're like, ooh, that's, that's wild. Listen, but of all the creatures in the universe, only you get to taste the saving grace of Almighty God. That is your privilege and that is your blessing. Let me tell you what else the angels can't do. The angels can't give to missions. That's uniquely our job. Praise God, you're doing a great job, but let's, let's see if we can do more, you know? I'll tell you what the angels can't do. They can't make disciples. They don't sit at kitchen tables with open Bibles and three or four dear friends and pour their life into them. That's our job as disciple makers of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what the angels can't do. They can't go back there and teach our children in the children's ministry this morning. That's our role. Let me tell you what the angels don't do. They don't volunteer in the media ministry and run the technology so that things work. That's our job. That's our job. We push buttons and turn lever. That's our job to do those things. Let me tell you what angels can't do. They don't serve in the first impressions ministry in the parking lot. That's our job. You know, that's a great job. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at the house of God than to be without Christ. Man, I'd be glad to, to be a greeter in the parking lot. Praise God for a role and a mission and a ministry. What I'm saying is this is uniquely your moment in history to engage in Christ's mission. And as we live out our lives, there's going to be this angelic activity all around us. The big question for us, and this is what you wanted me to talk about ultimately, is how can you tell the difference? When confronted with a moment of discernment, how do you tell the difference? Whether you're dealing with a holy angel, or whether you're dealing with a fallen angel, or whether you're dealing with a fallen angel pretending to be a holy angel, or you're dealing with an angel appearing as a man, how can you tell the difference? How, how do you discern that? And I'm asking that question this morning because I believe many people are fraternizing with fallen angels all the while thinking they are interacting with the good guys. I believe people are engaged with fallen angels while they think they're engaging with the holy angels. Now what I'm about to read to you is a deception. So when I put this on the screen, I'm not teaching this. 
Uh, uh, I'm stomping on this, okay? I'm, I'm rejecting this. But I want to put it up for you so that you'll understand the teaching that is out there in the world. And you'll understand what the world thinks. This is called Signs of Angels by Melanie Beckler. Here's what, here's what Melanie says. Finding feathers on your path is one of the more commonly known signs of angels. Okay, now I'm just going to debunk things as we go. How about that? Now I don't have much time. Let me debunk things as we go. Now nowhere in the Bible does it say angels have wings. Cherubim and seraphim do. Nowhere does the Bible say angels have wings. They may. I'm not saying they don't. The Bible just doesn't say they have them. It does say, and they flew through heaven, but, in, you know, Superman flies. He don't have wings. That's all I'm saying. Just use your imagination, okay? Nowhere in the Bible does it say the holy angels have feathers, okay? And so what she's saying is if you're walking and you see a feather in your path, listen, your kids could have just had a pillow fight. A pigeon could have just got hit by a semi. Uh... I mean, I can, re- I can think of a million reasons you might find a feather in your path. None of them would be the fact that your angel wanted to let you know they were there. The reason your angel will let you know you're there is when you read the book of Hebrews and it says you're giving ministering spirits to care for you. The Bible declares the angels are there. You don't need a feather as a sign. Angels often love to make their presence known through the power of scent. Now, I just want to tell you, I travel to places that are full of demon infestation. And these scents are always associated. So just don't dismiss this. But this is not the holy angel she's describing. Although she thinks she is. When you're in the presence of angels, you may experience a change in temperature. Commonly reported in demon manifestations. Room goes ice cold. Room immediately warms up. Smell of rotten eggs, sulfur. Some odor in the room, angel begins to say, I'm from God. No, 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 no. I reject you. Get lost, buddy. You're a liar and you're hanging with the father of lies. Just, okay, just stay with me. She said, you may feel like someone just walked past you when there's no one there. I read no biblical record of this. Where somebody said, ooh, I just got goosebumps. My angel is here. It's nowhere in scripture. Okay. A haunted house, maybe. Not in scripture. You may get the impression that someone's present in a room when the room is empty. Move. Get out of Amityville and move to another city. Okay? Your angels may reach out to you very subtly. They may wrap their wings of love and brush your arm or your neck or gently place a hand on your back or shoulder. When you receive a message in your mind, warning, I got red lights right now. Okay? When you get a message in your mind or a whispered voice seems to appear out of thin air, you may be experiencing the guidance of your angels. No, you may be experiencing demonic possession is what you may be experiencing. Let me go a little bit further. This person's deceived, and I want to tell you why. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, and no wonder, for even Satan, tell me what this next word is, disguises himself. He did in Genesis And he does in the New Testament as well. He disguises himself as a good guy. Angel of light. One of the good guys. White hat, not black hat. So it is no surprise if his servants, the other fallen angels, also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. 
their end will correspond with their deeds. You say, what does this look like in real life? Well, I'm glad you asked. A young Bedouin boy from a powerful Arabian tribe. Real story. Young Bedouin from a powerful Arabian tribe. That, that young man married an older, wealthy woman late 6th century. That clan, those people, worshipped many idols, many false gods. And the idols are all have demons associated with them. They're, they're, they're worshipping idols that are corresponding to, to demon powers. One day while this young Bedouin, nomadic shepherd, was in a cave meditating... Muhammad had violent seizures, frightening visions from an angel who claimed to be Gabriel. In the visions, the angel told him many things that contradict with your Bible. The visions continued for 22 years. And that man, Muhammad, rejected the Bible and accepted the influence of that angel. And the religion of Islam was born. Let me give you an example. In the early 1800s, a young man who was an adventure seeker, a thrill seeker, uh, uh, you know, Indiana Jones kind of guy, explorer, traveler, young man full of energy, thrilled with adventure and treasure hunting, was meditating on which religion was the true religion. And that teenage young man, teenage young adult, had a vision in which... In his vision, God told him all the churches were wrong. Every one of them. They were all abomination to God. And that angel told this young man, you are a special young man. You're going to be a prophet that will restore the true gospel which no one has. All of this goes on even today. Despite the teaching of the Apostle Paul in Galatians 1... But if we or an angel from heaven preaches to you any gospel contrary to the one which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. But Joseph Smith rejected the Bible and he accepted the teaching of the fallen angel. And Mormonism was born just like that. Be very careful. What voices you're listening to. Do not accept the teaching of angels if they tell you that you are the Christ. It's a fallen angel. Do not accept the teaching of angels if they say you can be saved by works. It doesn't align with the Bible. It's false teaching. Do not accept the teaching of angels if they say that you have to be born again and again and again and again and work out your karma. It is not aligning with scripture. It's false teaching. Do not accept the teaching of angels if they tell you there is no hell and after death everything is just sweetness and light and everything's good. doesn't align with scripture. Do not accept the teaching of angels or anyone that appears to you in the form of animals or birds. Now I'm just... You've got to travel with me to understand. Trust me on this. Birds and animals peering and talking and telling you things. 
Listen, if your dog starts talking to the pound, okay? I'm sorry. You're out of here, okay? You're not dealing with a holy angel is all I'm saying. If anyone comes to you and says, I'm an angel, and they bring to you some new revelation contradictory to Scripture, reject that and reject them. Well, how do you test an angel? That seems like something we would want to know a little bit about, okay? And we'll talk a little bit about that in coming weeks. But let me give you a few questions to consider. Does the angel's visit match those visits in the Bible? That's easy to figure out because we can read what the angel appearances look like in the Bible. The angel shows up, always tells you who they are, where they came from, and that you don't need to be afraid that God has sent them. They bring a message of peace and good tidings and whatever. Calm down. It's good. I'm the good guy. And let me, it always, it always has a familiar ring like that to it. Do the words of the angel line up with the words the angels speak in the Bible? We can go to the Bible again and see what kind of things angels say when they appear to people in the Bible. Do the angels appearing now say the same things that they said or similar things? In other words, are they words of encouragement and direction and, and direction from God? Are they asking you, okay, you need to do this, and but you have to decide? And, and that's the way God put it to Mary, and she said yes. And he said, okay, now here's what I'm... If they say, I'm here and I'm just taking possession of you, that's not the holy angels. Okay, reject that. Some warning signs that you're being deceived by a fallen angel. Does the angel tell you that he's a spirit of a dead friend or relative? I get questions about seances frequently. Okay? You're not channeling your lost loved one. You're channeling a fallen angel who knew your lost loved one, who knows what their habits were, who their family members were. You say, why? Because they lived with them. They knew them. They were hanging around. And so they know all about it. And it's no big deal. Remember the, the, the passage from Second Corinthians? It's no big deal for them to transform themselves into the voice and experience of, of your loved one. You're being deceived by that. Your loved ones do not come back and communicate with you. Does the angel draw attention away from Jesus and God the Father? That's a biggie right there. Because in the Bible, the angels are saying, here's what God wants us to do. Here's what God sent me to say. Here's what Jesus wants to... They're, they're, they're working for, for the Father. Does the angel bring a revelation to you that's not found anywhere in Scripture? Warning. Red light. I've got, listen, you're special. I've come to show you something that no one else has ever seen. Billions and billions and billions of people have lived over these many thousand years and no one's ever seen this. I'm going to reveal to you something very exclusive and special. Listen, warning right there, okay? You're not dealing with a holy angel. Does the angel hang around after his assignment is over? In the Bible, they don't. Here, I've come to say this to you. I've come to do this for you. I've come to tell you this. Gone, okay? Now, the angels may be, but you're not seeing them and interacting with them, okay? Gone, all right? Does, does he use props? If an angel appears to you with lights and sounds and strange odors, props. You understand what I'm saying? It's not a holy angel. Uh, does the angel leave you feeling anxious, afraid, disturbed? You see, when the holy angels appear to people in the Bible, their opening salvo is always this. Fear not. 
They don't leave you anxious and scared. They reassure you that God's watching. He knows you. He's answering your prayer. He's taking care of you. And I've just been sent to confirm that to you and encourage you and lift you up and and tell you what's going to happen. Do not be afraid. You won't see me after this, but just know that God's got you. That's what the holy angels experience is more like. Does the angel try to force you to do something that goes against the inner spirit of the Holy Spirit speaking to you? The inner voice of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if somebody's saying, hey, this is that, this is that shoulder illustration right here. There's one voice saying this way, but you feel the Holy Spirit saying something else. Accept the voice of the Holy Spirit that lines up with Scripture always and reject the voice that pulls you away from the Holy Spirit and away from Scripture. Does your encounter bear spiritual fruit? Well, Pastor, I saw a vision and I saw an angel and here's what I think about it. Okay, what was the result of it? What was the long-term outcome? Did it make you a, 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 a soul winner, a disciple maker? Did it make you a better husband, a better, a better wife, a better mother? Did it make you a better friend? Did it, make you, did, did it transform your life so that you live for God and give to missions and do great things for God? Well, no. But I had this experience. Okay, be careful about that. Because when God appears in a moment like this, an angel appears in a moment like this sent from God, it will bear some spiritual fruit is what I'm saying. Okay, does your encounter cause you to change for the better? Or does your encounter cause you to harm yourself or others? Listen, we live in an era where teenage boys and girls are cutting themselves like never before. Listen, if the voices are saying to you, cut yourself, hurt yourself, stab your kittens, drown your G.I. Joe. Well, we all kind of did that, didn't we? That's not... You know, I think everybody drowned a G.I. Joe somewhere. That's not the same. Um, he wasn't drowned. He was scuba diving. Uh, G.I. Joe went Navy SEAL. That's all. I'm saying if you have thoughts that say hurt things you should love, or if you have thoughts that say hurt you, do you understand that's not God? That's not God. Listen, a religion that says detonate and kill everybody around you, that's not God. That's not grace, that's not love, that's not forgiveness, that's not righteousness, that's not holiness. That's not the mission of a loving God to redeem people for his kingdom. That's a violent and and hurtful and harmful and that's that's horrible. That's not God. Does does the angel, does the angel tell you, you can talk to me anytime. As a matter of fact, if you just call my name, I'll come and live with you. You're opening yourself up for demon possession. Uh, when Jeremy went in my stead just some months ago, I was sick, couldn't go to India. He went in my place. He, he and our guys in India had to cast a demon out of a woman. Ask Jeremy about it. He'll tell you. You think it's a joke? It's not a joke. Ladies laying there and they're like, what's your name? My name is... It starts vomiting out names of demons. and No, it's real. It's just, just real as we're sitting here right now talking to each other. And if these things start manifesting themselves into your world, reject them. Now, I'm going to preach through 1 John in a couple of weeks. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, just like that, going to Easter. But let me read a salvo from John as I begin to bring this to a conclusion. John wrote, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that spirit is from God. 
And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming. John says, coming. Ha! They're already here. Not the Antichrist, big A. Antichrist, many, thousands, millions perhaps. They're already here working in our society. Anyway, let me just, I'm not trying to creep you out. Just got to bring the sermon to a conclusion somehow. Listen, the easiest way, the easiest way to be deceived by a fallen angel is just to be ignorant of the scripture. Remember, Satan works with a lie. God works with the truth. You don't have to be freaked out. You don't have to be creeped out. You don't have to be weirded out. Just get in your Bible and let the Bible speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And when you get familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit, then a stranger's voice will be very distinct. Does that make sense? As God takes the word of God and ministers into your life, foreign voices will pop out, stand out like sore thumb against that voice of the Holy Spirit. So what happened is that Adam's human race, Adam and Eve, were given dominion over planet Earth. They were told to rule over planet earth that was really what they were created for and satan deceived adam and eve and said you'll bow down and worship me i'll give you knowledge and i'll do all of this for you and i'll make you like a god and what he didn't tell them that when they worshiped him when they rebelled against god and said yes to satan they'd be handing the throne to satan they'd be handing the deed of planet earth to satan in exchange for that knowledge Satan did not tell Adam and Eve that they would lose their righteousness, their vocation, and their relationship with God. Harmony in their home. He did not tell them marriage would be in conflict. He did not tell them your son's going to murder your other son. He didn't tell them the wheels would come off the bus by the fifth chapter of your Bible and society would have completely been murderous and corrupt. He didn't tell them all that. Because he wanted the deed to planet earth and he got it. He now holds the deed to planet earth. So when you're reading those verses and you're like, what is this prince and power of the air? And how is Satan the prince and power of the air? But God sits on the throne of the universe. He conned humanity out of it and he took it. He has the deed to planet earth. But here's the good news I have for you. The good news, if you read the rest of the story, is the hour of reclamation is swiftly approaching. We are about to witness the greatest transfer of power in human history. Not the Democrats and the Republicans, not the Tories and the Labor Party, not the Communists and the Capitalists. The greatest transfer of power is about to happen in human history. Let me read from Revelation. I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit. He had a great chain, and he seized the dragon, synonyms, the ancient serpent, synonyms you may call him the devil you may call him satan and he bound him for a thousand years with that chain what i'm saying to you is the one that marred god's creation with evil the prince of the fallen angels is about to be chained in coming history and Jesus is about to reclaim the deed. This is what the book of Revelation is about. Jesus is about to reclaim the deed to planet earth. And all authority will transfer back to the supreme commander of the heavenly host, the armies of heaven. We are going to witness the greatest transfer of power in human history because Satan is about to be deposed and Jesus is about to be enthroned. 
That's what's coming in your future. And that's good news, right? You have nothing to fear. God's got you. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. We're going to prepare for our communion service right now. Let's do that in just a few moments of prayer together as a family. The Bible instructs us, you know, get your heart ready. Uh, Let's be ready to take it. Let's let's be in this spirit of fellowship. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, let's just begin with the message this morning. Why don't you just say to God right where you're sitting this morning, Father, Father, this morning I just open my heart and my life to you. Listen, I want you to reinforce truth in my life. If I've believed any error, any lie, then I, I pray you'd put the truth on that and reveal your truth to me. Father, I realize you wrap your protection around me constantly. And God, maybe I've never said thank you. Maybe I've never honored you and told you how much I appreciate the security that comes into my life by knowing that I'm in your hands. You just pour that out to God right now. Just pour it out to him in a moment of worship through your prayer. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you indeed are vulnerable. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to state the facts. You indeed are vulnerable. My prayer for you this morning would be that before you leave this place, we'll have plenty of workers around. You just reach out to a worker and say, I need to know Christ as my Savior. I don't know that I know Christ as my Savior. And I want to be a part of God's family. I want to be one of God's children. They'll show you how to do that in just a few moments. As we prepare for communion right now, I want you to say to God, God, look into my life. If there's anything here that, Father, you would find displeasing, Lord, I just want to confess that right now. I'm going to be clean before you, and I want to be in fellowship with you. God, just work in my heart right now. You might say, Holy Spirit, if there's any sin in my life, anything that would prevent fellowship from being close and sweet, God, if there's anything between you and me that I've not acknowledged, if you just bring that to my mind right now, I'd confess it and forsake it. And I'd ask your forgiveness of it. For Sean 1 says, if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Father, your children in prayer this morning are bringing their requests to you. Lord, opening our lives to your inspection. Thank you for being such a loving father to us. Father, this morning as we receive communion, let the fellowship be fresh and sweet and special this morning. This is our prayer together as a church family. In Jesus' name, amen.